Thank you for joining us at Creative Church. We pray that this word blesses your heart and blesses your life. And if it has, I want to encourage you to feed what's feeding you and to give to what's giving to you. The easiest way to do this is to visit creativechurch.com give. Thank you for your faithfulness and your generosity. Be sure to like this video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure to click on the notifications so you never miss an encouraging word from Creative Church. Uh, we have been living with this COVID situation for quite some time, and one of the products that we have become very familiar with in this uh, world that we're living in is hand sanitizer. How many have a bottle on you right now? Yeah, a bunch of you. How many of you already sanitized your hands today, right? A few times. We're just in this world of, of, of hand sanitizer. And the purpose of hand sanitizer, they say, is to uh, sanitize any of the germs that might be on your hands or whatnot. So whatever virus doesn't spread uh, from person to person or to you. And, uh, and I think that's a great thing. But the reality is we live in a world uh, that in many ways has wanted to sanitize Jesus right out of Christmas, and, and get rid of Christ out of the mass. And, and I'm here today to tell you the reason for Christmas is Jesus. That is the reason we celebrate Christmas. And they want to literally take Christ right out of Christmas and kill, you know, whatever bit of Jesus um, uh, they think the, that, that might, they might be exposed to. But let me tell you something about this Bible. You can ignore it, you can ban it, you can bury it, you can burn it, you can do everything to it, but you cannot ignore the gospel of Jesus Christ. And whether you believe in him, worship him or not, he, the, the fact still remains is that he really lived and that he really died and that he really came, is coming back again for a church without spot or blemish. We serve a God that is alive and alive forevermore. He ever liveth and he ever reigneth, and he is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us, and Jesus Christ is alive and well today. Somebody say amen. amen. And I think many people, uh, even in church, don't catch the real spirit of Christmas and what Christmas is really all about. It's not about the reindeers. It's not about all the gifts. It's not about all the presents. I love all of that. I get the reason for the tree. It's, it's symbolic of Calvary. I get the lights that we put out, which is symbolic of Jesus as the light of the world. And I think all of that should be celebrated. And I think it's fun to have the presents. And we've even got Santa Claus here today. I think all of that stuff is fun and, 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 and beautiful and, and celebrated. And I think we, we should all enjoy it. But we, we don't need to sanitize our families from the real reason of Christmas, which is Jesus. Because Christmas is about Jesus. That's what it's all about. That is the message of Christmas. It's about Jesus. The ultimate present. The ultimate present that all of us could ever receive was the presence of Jesus. That's the ultimate gift. The ultimate present is his presence. You know, the Santaology or the gospel according to Santa says that if you are good... You get gifts. Come on. Did you, did you not grow up with this? If, if you're good, then you get gifts. And if you're naughty uh, or not good, then you get coal. <laughs> okay. 
And so if you're taking a couple notes, I'm going to give you a couple of points I think are worth writing down. Uh, the first contrast that I want to draw between uh, Santa's presence uh, are based on behavior. Santa's presence are based on behavior, but our Savior's presence is based on grace. It's not based on our works. It's not based on how good we are, how righteous we are, our works. It's based on his grace. How many of you are thankful for the grace of God, right? That's a big difference that we're not trying to earn our salvation today. It is the great grace that we've received. And if you're good, uh, Santa says, then you're going to get a present. And if you're bad, then you get coal. In other words, you've got to earn what you deserve. And we're not trying to earn our salvation. We're not trying to earn the love of God. We're not trying to earn eternal life. The Savior gives his presence, uh, which is the best gift. Jesus does give us his presence, and he doesn't give us his presence based on our behavior. He gives it to us based on his grace, based on his grace. And some of y'all say, well, you know, uh, you know, I've been good, and, and some of you say, well, I've not been good, um, and the reality is it's not based on whether you're good or not. It's based on his goodness, not our goodness. You're not good enough, and I'm not good enough, but the reality is he is God, and he is God enough, and so it's not about my goodness. Isn't this the good news? It's not about my goodness. It's all about his goodness. Romans 3 and 23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So he told, he told on us. So whether you, whether you think you're a sinner or not, we see, we live in a world that wants to make people think that they're good, that, that they're, they have the moral high ground. Everybody thinks they got the moral high ground. I'm a good person. I would never say that about you. You just live whatever life you want to live. You know, you do whatever you want to do. You believe whatever you believe. Your truth is your truth. And I'm not going to say anything because I'm, I'm a good person. You're not a good person. You're wicked. <laughs> You're wicked. You're born in sin. We live in this world that wants to make our teenagers. It's, it's convincing our teenagers that they are moral, that they're good people. And if they mess up, oh, you just, that's not a real mess up. It's, it's an oopsie whoopsie. You can do whatever you want to do. It's just a little mistake. You're, you're, really, you're, you're a really good person. And Jesus just loves you because you're so lovable. You're not lovable. You're, you're wicked. You're really, you're really hateful and carnal and sinful. Such an encouraging message. <laughs> it's Christmas. But we live in this world that literally is trying to convince us that we're a good person. And I'm not going to say anything. Oh, if you want to be a man today, be a man. Or you want to be a girl today, you can be a girl. And I'm, I'm a good person because I'm not going to say anything. I have, I, I'm the moral, I'm a moral high ground. Let me ask you a question. Is, is hard truth truth? And is a, is a gentle lie still? What would you do if, would you really follow a pastor who knew truth and withheld it from you? If, if, like if I knew truth and I was like, I don't want to tell the people because somebody might be offended and somebody might leave. Would you want to follow that person if they knew the truth but withheld it from you? Do you want to follow somebody who gives you a half truth? Nothing, nothing frustrates me more than somebody telling me a half truth. Come on. Am I right about that? How many of you ever had a kid tell you a half truth? 
Come on, parents. You know, I want the truth, the whole truth and nothing. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's what I want. All right. And so we, we live in a world that, yeah, even if it's a hard truth, it's still a truth. And, and we live in a world that wants to make people think that you're a really good person and you've got the moral high ground. We're not good. See, you're not. Sin is not around you. It's in you. It's not like, oh, my gosh, there's sin. Don't let it get on me. Oh, I've got sin on me. Oh, no, sin is not, it's not like you brushed up against it. And oh my gosh, like salt on your car. You know, you get the salt. Now you're like, oh, i got salt on me. That's, it's, sin's not like that. Sin's not around you and you bump into it and run into it. No, it's in you. You, you are born in sin, the Bible says. You were shaped in iniquity. That's why you never have to teach your children to sin. You never had to teach them to lie or hit. That's why one of their first words is mine. <laughs> mine, mine. No, it's mine, mine. And they'll hit each other. My twins, the two little, they'll hit each other, bite each other. They're wicked. That little one that just came out here looks so. She will lie. Lie to you. Did you eat the cookie? We never have to teach our children to sin. We're born in that. You're, you're, not, you're not sinful because you sin. You sin because you're sinful. It's, it's, we're born in it. It's, it's in us. Some people say, well, I'm, this is my lifestyle. I'm, you know, I was born this way. Yeah, that's, that's why you need to get born again. Well, I was born, I'm, I'm born liking the same sex. That's why you need to be born again. Like I had to get born again. Like all of us are sexually broken. That's why you have to get born again. Jesus told Nicodemus, if, 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 if you want this, you've got to get born again. How many of you know you've got to get born again? You, we are born in sin. And this is the good news that Jesus Christ came. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Isaiah 64 and 6 says, Our righteousness is nothing but filthy rags. There's nothing we can do to earn it. There's nothing we can do. The Apostle Paul says, I count everything that I've accomplished, everything that I have done in this life, all of my degrees and all of my, all of my education and all of my accomplishments. He says, I count all of it as dung, as poop, that I might have him. It's poop. It's not anything. I remember, I remember our, our kids, we still have some to go through this, but uh, when you're potty training them, anybody remember this? You potty training, you get in the little potty or the little step stool and the little seat, you know, and they're, they're on it. And then somebody says, they're going to the bathroom. They're going to go. And we all run into the bathroom <laughs> and they're sitting there on the little toilet, and they go poop. And you're like, and everybody, everybody goes nuts. Everybody's like, yeah, oh my gosh, they went poop. <laughs> Maybe it's just my house. Does this happen in your house? Some of you are looking at me like, this doesn't happen in our culture. This is what we did. And everybody's losing their mind. And we're screaming and we're cheering and we're celebrating that they went poop. It's a big deal. 
And this is what this is what he's saying. He's like, what we've done is 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 filthy rags. Don't make me explain filthy rags. He's like, it's filthy rags. It's nothing. It's worthless. He said, compared to what he has done for us, his presence is not based on our behavior. It's based on his grace. Second one I want to say is Santa's presence are limited, but our Savior's presence are unlimited. That wherever we go, he is there. You know, he said, if I make my bed in hell, he's there. If I take the wings of the morning and fly to the other most parts of the earth, he is still there. And, you know, there's this, there's this uh, thought with Santa Claus that, you know, he only comes once a year and, and he looks at your behavior and, you know, he, he comes and puts gifts under the tree and, and then he's gone. You know, he's back to the North Pole to do, you know, whatever he does, I guess, for another year. And, and uh, you know, he, so he's there with Mr. and Mrs. Claus there at the North Pole and his presence are limited. And if you're not good on that one day, then it's over for you. But our Savior's presence are unlimited. John 1.14 says he is Emmanuel. Everybody say Emmanuel. Emmanuel is God with us. God with us. And the Bible says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld the wonder of his glory, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and there's that truth word again. Grace and truth. We can't just have a church that teaches grace. You got to have a church that also tells you the truth. See, grace lets you belong, but only truth sets you free. So it's not enough to belong and you're bound. I don't want to belong and be bound. I want to be free. And he whom the Son is set free is what? Free indeed. Indeed means you know you're free. If I go down here and I tell Andrew, that's a nice jacket, and he goes, indeed. <laughs> I don't think he'd say that. But he goes, indeed. What that means is that he knows it's a nice jacket. You see, the problem is we're free, but all of us don't know that we're free. That's why he says, he whom the Son is set free has to be free indeed. It's not enough for you to be free. You've got to know that you're free you got to know that Jesus Christ paid the debt that you owed so that you could live in a freedom that you could not afford. Somebody say amen. amen. That's the message of Christmas, that God is with us. You know, it's funny because politicians, when they run for office, they use this strategy called identification strategy. And the bottom line is, is that they try to identify with the average voter. And so what they'll do is they'll pull up to a factory or something in a motorcade and the politician will jump out and they'll have on this nice suit or nice clothes, whatever, and then they take their tie off and take their jacket off and they roll their sleeves up, put on a hard hat, and they walk around the factory and they get some pictures with people at the factory and they're trying to identify with the worker to say, hey, I'm willing to roll my sleeves up and get my hands dirty and work with you. And, and the funny thing is people in the factories are like, oh my gosh, look, he's one of us. He, he's just like us. And, and they, they try to identify with that person 
in. And then they, after the photo op, they jump back in the, the limo or motorcade and, and they, they leave and they don't leave their degree or walk away from their money or walk away from their fortune or walk away from their fame or walk away from their prestige. They don't walk away from any of that. They just do it for a moment and then they're back. But we serve a God who really identifies with us. He doesn't just come for a photo op. He came through four and two generations. He came through the stars and the galaxy all the way down to be born in a stable, all the way down to be born in a barn. And for 30 years, he never preached a sermon. For 30 years, he never did a miracle. For 30 years, he ate like us and slept like us and walked like us and worked like us. He was a carpenter and he, he built things and dug ditches and, and was tempted in all areas like we are yet without sin. So he could identify with us. We serve that kind of God who really knows what we go through. So when you're in pain, he knows what pain is like. When you're hurting, he knows what hurting feels like. When you're lonely, he knows what lonely feels like. When you're betrayed, he knows what betrayal feels like. He is tempted in all areas like we are yet without sin. That's the kind of God we serve. And his name is Jesus. It wasn't an illusion of identification. We serve a savior who went through everything that we went through. He worked as a carpenter with his hands. He laid foundations to buildings. And it's not an illusion. This is the amazing message of Christmas, that Jesus Christ came, that God would be with us, manifest in the flesh, that he would come to a barn of all the places, a little little manger to be born in. Only God would birth a king in a barn. (laughs) You know, and you look at all these little manger scenes and how perfect it all looks, you know. It's all there. You got the little wise man and the the little uh, donkey. You know, and there's a little sheep. Everybody's bowing their head. Little pig has got his head bowed. <laughs> little chickens are bowed. Everything's in order. I doubt it was like that. I remember when Joanne, you know, I was at the birth of all of our children. You know, it was, it was traumatic. It was, <laughs> I'm traumatized to this day, you know. It was the first couple times, you know, I was up by her face talking to her, you know, trying not to upset her and, um, you know, trying not to say anything stupid, feeding, you know, ice chips or whatever. And, you know, one of them, I remember, they wanted me to come down and go to the other end, down to the end zone. And, uh, you know, and I was there. You know, and I, 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 they, I literally delivered uh, Victoria, you know, and I was traumatized. I was like, this is, this is unbelievable. This is like crazy, you know, what's happening right now. I was freaked out on the way to the hospital for her. I'm like, are you, you know, or how are you feeling? She's like, I'm just ready for it to be over. I'm, I'm just, I'm good. I'm like, do you know what's about to happen? <laughs> how are you not freaked out right now? You know? I was more freaked out than she was freaked out. But, I, you know, it, it's a scene. I mean, it's just pandemonium going on here. 
I doubt it was this quiet little reverent place. I mean, Joseph had to have felt like a failure. You got one job, dude. Find a room. You know, just can't pull it off with this equipment. Just, and, and this is the environment that like our savior comes into. He understands what it's like to be disappointed. He understands what it's like to go through difficulties and challenges and adversities. And some of you might be saying, Pastor Jonathan, you know, you just don't understand this Christmas. My life has fallen apart and I'm facing the holidays alone. And, you know, my spouse has left me and, you know, my life's in shambles. My kid's on drugs. My kid's dealing with addictions. And you don't understand. And, uh, you know, you don't understand what I'm going through, you know. And I may not understand, but Jesus understands. He understands exactly what you're going through. I'm under pressure, and I'm dealing with all kinds of financial pressure, and I don't know what to do, and I'm worried about my future, my finances, and my family, and I'm struggling with this addiction or depression or anxiety or, or, or bitterness or anger, and, and I'm, I don't understand what to do with my life. I'm basically living a lie, and, and no one understands, but Jesus understands. He understands exactly what you're going through. He's touched, the Bible says, with the feelings of our infirmities. And the message of Christmas is that Jesus lived and was tempted in all ways like we are yet without sin. And he died sacrificially. He rose mightily and he offers his presence as the greatest present you could have this Christmas. And he says, I'm Emmanuel. I am God with you. I'll never leave you. How many of you are glad for a God that will never leave you? Never forsake you. I'll be with you when everyone else leaves you. How many of you ever had somebody leave you? Somebody betray you? Somebody walk out on you? Jesus says, I'll never do that to you. And the third contrast between Santa as our Savior is that Santa's presence are what we want. But our Savior's presence are what we need. They're what we need. Come on, you better get with this little Santa sermon I got today. It ain't getting no better than this. And, uh... This is, this is, it's not just what we want, it's what we need. We need his presence. That's why we're doing 100 days of prayer. That's why we're doing 100 days of reading the word of God. That's why we're gonna do 100 days of generosity and 100 days of fasting and putting God first in 2022. It's what we need. You know, we all have an it list. We all have this thing that in our life that if I could just get it, if I could just get it, you know, we got some teenagers going, if I could just get that phone. And if you're buying a phone for your kids, make sure they do cell phone permit, parents. Do not buy your kids a phone if they don't do cell phone permit. You're setting them up for a fail. Huge disaster. We've, we've taken hundreds and hundreds of kids through cell phone permit. I can't tell you how many of them are addicted to pornography, how many of them are addicted to social media. How, those social media platforms do not care about your children. And the people who invented it don't let their kids on it. So before you just, you know, I won't be a good parent, I won't buy them this phone, make sure you put them through that, that class. You wouldn't give them a handgun without putting them through training either. It's important. I can't get an amen, but y'all the ones buying it. They don't have jobs. They don't paying for that. You're buying it. You're paying the bill. And we're in here in youth ministry trying to get them off porn. Y'all making our job hard. 
I'm telling y'all, don't buy them phones if you're not going to take them through training. You're not going to put safeguards up in their life. You're not going to care. You're setting them up for a fail. Don't do that. Don't do that. You're not a loving parent by doing that. You're not, you're, it's like I'd be just as stupid to give one of my little children a razor. You know, it's not a win. Don't do that. Train them first. Train up a child in the way they should go, that when they're old, they will not depart. We didn't have training when we got phones in our generation. They just gave it to us. That's why we're messed up. All right? But don't reproduce that to the next generation. Mayo Clinic says two hours of screen time a day. They're on eight to nine hours a day. So make it a priority. Don't, don't set them up for fails. Am I right, Andrew? Riley, am I right on this? And, and don't you do that. They're going to be indoctrinated with the culture of this world. Eight to nine hours a day, sermons they watching on there, YouTube, and, uh, TikTok, and telling them about world culture. You've got to get the word of God down in their heart first. Hide that word in thy heart that you might not sin against God. Get mad at me if you want, but I'm telling you, and walk out, but I'm going to tell you on your way out. Do this first. But all of us have something that, that we have in it, whether it's a phone, you know, man, if I could just get, you know, if I had that house, that'd be it. If I could live in that neighborhood, that'd be it. If I had that car, that'd be it. If I could just get it. You ever had an it in your life? Come on. You ever had that it? If I could just get it, if I could just get that guy, if I could just get that girl, that woman, that'd be it. Huh? Don't look at nobody. <laughs> if I just get it. We all got this it. If I could live in that neighborhood, man, I would, that, I would have made it. If I, could, if I could have that house, that'd be it. If I could reach this standard of, of income, that'd be it. If I had that job or that woman or that guy or that car or whatever, but I hate to burst your balloon. But the reality is once you get it, you'll be asking yourself, is that it? I'm telling you, that's the married people. But don't say amen. Ask, uh, ask the people with kids. Is that it? Is that, is that it? Is that what? I've talked to people who climb the ladders of success. They'll tell you there's nothing up there. There's nothing up there. You can't, the, the purpose of Christmas, the purpose of our lives can't just be to get it. It's got to be to have him. It's got to be his presence. Come on, church. Santa's presence are what we want, but our Savior's presence are what we need. Because what our family really needs is his presence. What our, what, what our family really needs is his presence that heals. Come on. His presence that forgives. His presence that restores a marriage. His presence that restores a son to his father and a daughter to her mother. His presence that drives out unforgiveness. His presence that drives out bitterness and anger and frustration. All that comes through the presence of God. And you can have a home full of things, but if you don't have his presence, you can be packed with stuff and be more angry, more frustrated, more upset, more bitter. What good is it to have this stuff and you don't have him? What is the blessing without the blesser? 
What's the healing without the healer? What's the provision without the provider? What's the deliverance without the deliverer? It's not enough to have the things of God if you don't have God. That's what the whole story with the prodigal son is the prodigal son wanted the things of the father, but he didn't want the father. He said, give me. Everybody say, give me. Give me. He said, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. He took it, squandered it all, lost it all. How many of you ever had God give you something and you just wasted it? Come on, anybody? God gave you money, you just wasted it. God gave you a great relationship. You weren't happy until you screwed it all up. God gave you a friend. You tore it all to pieces. God gave you opportunities. You squandered it. How many, come on, it's just me. How many of you ever had God give you something you just, you weren't happy until you tore it all to pieces? God will give us things, give us opportunities. Give us wonderful opportunities, and sometimes we're not happy until we've just torn it all up because we have this, this, this mentality of just give it to me. Grandmama said it this way, easy come. Easy go. Y'all same grandmama I had. <laughs> easy come, easy go. He goes through all of it. He loses all of it, and then he finally comes back to the Father, and he doesn't say give me. He comes back to the Father and says, make me. Make me as one of your servants. Make me. You see, the key with serving God is not to say, God, give me but to say, God, make me, make me, make me as one of your servants, make me a man. Take some time to make you a man. Come on, come on, fellas. Take some time to make you a man. I was looking at Alexander the other day. He got, he got a little, you know, a little bit, a little bit right here, a little bit of that. I said, take you a little time. Take your little time to make you, make you a man. And I said, once you got a full facial hair, you still ain't no man. Facial hair don't make you no man. Having money just don't make you a man. It takes you some time. Just the fact that you can reproduce don't mean you a man. You got to go through some things. You got to go through some heartache and some pain and some difficulties and some betrayal and some layoff and some not understanding and hurt. And come on. I wish I had a guy in here who knew what I was talking about. It takes you some time to, to, to become a man. It takes you some time to become a woman. Come on, ladies. Don't leave me out there by myself. It takes you some time to become, to become not just a woman, but to become a good woman. To become a good man. That's why some girls just go after married men because they don't want to go through all it takes to make a man a good man. Now that you finally got him, well, let me leave it alone. It's Christmas. Let me not. I ain't going to mess with y'all. It takes some time, you know, going through arguments and frustration. You need the presence of God. Learning how to, to talk and communicate in marriage. It takes years. Come on. Years. Because we're all born with this, this of knowing of this silent treatment. How many of you ever given somebody silent treatment? No one, no, you don't want to say nothing about it. Pastor, why you got to bring that stuff up in church? Why can't you just talk about Jesus in a manger and let us go home? Why you always got to be talking about stuff like Anybody ever know, ever given your spouse a silent treatment? Come on, you ever, you know, that's real. And it's just innate with it. You're just born with it. You know, I was watching this movie. 
I remember the name of this movie the other day. I was flipping through the channel. It's been years since I had seen it. I don't know what it was called, The Sixth Sense or something like that. And this movie, the guy, it starts off with the guy getting shot. The husband gets shot and he dies. That's the first scene. That's how the movie opens. And then it goes into the movie and he's just there. He's there and she's just like not talking to him. And this movie was like 90, like almost two hours. And it's only at the end of the movie that he's, that you go like, oh my gosh, he's dead. (laughs) Two hours we watched it and never once thought he's dead. We're like, yeah, this is a movie about marriage. She's not talking to him. (laughs) She's just not speaking to him. I get it. I, I know exactly what he's going through. And it was only at the end of the movie we're like, oh my gosh, he's dead. Because we're so indoctrinated with like, that could totally just be life. Like, we can't live life like that. Come on. We can't live life like that. We can't do marriage like that. We've got to actually engage our spouse. We've got to actually engage our children. We've got to have our presence in the room. Come on, amen. Not just we're all on our phones, we're all on screens. We've got to be present, and we want the Lord's presence in the house. If you believe it, give God a big praise all over the house. Emmanuel, God with us. God is with us. You can come play some for me, but. I wrote down here, Santa's presents are under the tree, but our Savior's presence was on the tree. It was on the cross. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I mean, when you get a real picture of how much he loves us. You know, people talk about sin like it's just, ah, it's just, you know, it's just sin. It's not, it's just oopsie, oopsie, whoopsie. I get we all make mistakes. I'm not, none of us are perfect, none of us. But, you know, God hates sin. Like, he, he, like he, he really hates it. Like, he hates it so much the penalty for it is death. That's, that's actually the penalty for sin. It says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, like some people think, well, you know, they live this, this mindset of, you know, we're all going to heaven. You can live whatever life you want to live, believe whatever you want to believe, do whatever you want to do. You're, you're, every truth is your own truth. It's all relative and relativism, and we're all just going to go to heaven because we're all so lovable. And we're all just so good and we're just so cute that you know, God just loves everybody. And you, you know, it's just whatever you want. We don't believe that. We actually believe everybody's going to hell. We, we believe every, every single person is born going to hell unless you get saved. Unless you give your life to Jesus. That, and you receive the gift of eternal life. That, that's the good news of, of, of Christmas is that he came. That when we could not get to him, he came to us. You ever been lost? You ever, you ever been lost? 
You know, the only thing worse than being lost is being lost and no one looking for you. But the Bible says he came to seek and to save that which was lost. That I wasn't just lost and no one was looking for me. I was lost and I had a God who was coming to find me. And the blood of Jesus can wash you. I bought me a power washer this year. Anybody got one of those? I got me an electric one because I got tired of pulling that stupid cord thing. Now I just hit the button. Just plug in and hit the button. I thought, my God, this is so much better than pulling that stupid cord. And uh, I had something on the side of the house that I couldn't get off. I was washing it and I couldn't get it off. It was like, it's, it was like stained on there. And I said, um, I told one of the guys, I can't get this stupid stain off here. He said, you need to power wash it. And I said, oh, I said, okay. So he went and got me a power washer and got it there. And, and the same water that couldn't get it off, once I connected it to power, once I put power with it, took it, took it right off. See, the blood of Jesus, is, is, it's got power with it. The, the old songs I grew up with said, they call it power, power, wonder. Y'all don't know that old stuff. Yeah, they sing songs like there's power, power, wonder, working power. In the blood of the Lamb. They, they go on and on and on singing this. They go on singing. There's, there's power with it. It wasn't just blood. There was See, I got blood, but it ain't got no power in it. But, but, but his blood, it's, it's, it's when I take his super and add it to my natural, that supernatural things begin to happen in my life through the efficacious, spotless blood of Jesus Christ. And that's, that's what Christmas is about, is saying, I need Jesus in my life. Real relationship. That's what it's about. You know, and I thought about Christmas. It's, it's so interesting because he came to us. It's funny because it, it's different now, but, but when, I, when I was um, looking and I, and I saw Pastor Joanne, I approached her. You know, we live in a world now. Girls are just, but it would be calling you and texting you and going to you. But when I, when I was, I think real men initiate relationships. Call me old-fashioned, say whatever you want to say. But I think a real man should initiate a relationship. When young girls ask Pastor Joanne and I, well, what should I say? Should I go up to him? We say, no, you just sit there and look pretty and make him sweat. Make him come up to you. Come on. Because I, I think real men should initiate the relationship. Real men should be the one to to say, hey, I, I want a relationship with you. See, that's what Jesus did. We are the bride. He is the groom. And he, he initiated the relationship with us. And a lot of times we, we get that backwards. We're, we tend to think we're trying to get him to like us. And, and if, I, if I sing enough and give enough and, and, and serve enough and do this, maybe he'll like me. Maybe he'll want to go. Maybe he'll want me. Maybe I can earn it. Maybe I can, you know, make myself enough that he'll want me and, and I, I'm going to let him know how much I want. No, no, he, he already initiated this. 
He, he already initiated the relationship with you. He wants a relationship with, with you. You don't have to try to earn it. You don't have to try to build it. You don't have to try to do it. I remember when I met Pastor Joanne and I was looking across the table, you know, there and I said, you know, you gotta, you gotta go out. You gotta go out with me. You gotta go out with me. She was starstruck like the wise man looking at the star and Chris, she was starstruck. It's my Christmas message. I'm preaching how I want to preach it. But I, I, I initiated that. I remember. I, you, don't need to, you don't need to wonder if I want to go out with you. I'm telling you, I want to go out with you. She didn't initiate, I initiated. I'm telling you, you serve a God who has initiated a relationship with you. He loves you. Come on, amen, church. And we need to take all our abilities and leave them at the feet of Jesus. Let me leave you with this. What would happen if all of us online, if all of us at Fridley, if all of us here in Maple Grove, at every campus, we, what if we were to bring all of our gifts and all of our talents and all of our abilities and leave them at the feet of Jesus like the wise men did? What if we did that? What if, what if we brought what, what he's given us to him? What if you really brought what God has put in you? Like your skill sets and your talents and your abilities and your family. What if you... What if you actually brought the most valuable things in your life and said, Jesus, I want you to have this. And we fall to our knees and worship him. And we're to consecrate and dedicate our talents and gifts and our life to you, Jesus. And said, like Joseph, I want to cooperate with your plan. I've got a plan, but I want to cooperate with your plan. Not my will, but your will. Joseph cooperated with the plan of God because he knew that God is a good God. And the shepherds celebrated and they had a party because their past, present, and future was all forgiven. And Mary contemplated the word of God continually. And the enemy could not defeat her because of the power of the word of God that was in her heart. She just kept meditating. The Bible says she pondered these things in her heart, what God had spoken to her over and over and over again. And she said, you know, I've got plans. I've got many plans. I've got all these things, but not my will, your will be done. Wouldn't it be amazing if all of the young people who had many plans and things they wanted to do, just like Mary would say, God, not my will, but your will in my life. I want your will for my future. I want your will for, for my family. And the wise men consecrated their time, their bodies, their lives, their gifts, their talents. And they said, I'll give them back to you for your glory, to make your name holy, that your name may be lifted up. And that's the story of Christmas, church. That's the story of Christmas. That we have a God that is with us. He's with us right now. He's with us. Where can you go that you could run from his presence? Where, where could you go where he can't see you? His love can't reach you. His grace can't be there with you. If you're in the hospital room, you're going into the OR like you. You know, you don't have to be an old person to go through health things. I mean, young guy, new family, and, and within three days of hearing the news, I'm going into operating. I don't know if I'm coming out of this. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But God, I trust you. And the same God that's here is the same God in the OR, is the same God in wherever we go in life. And we need him. We're dependent upon him. And that's the story of Christmas. Come on, you get something out of that today. Come on, give God a praise. 
Hey everybody, Merry Christmas. I just want to say thanks for joining us online. I'm here with Liliana. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And uh, thank you to all of you who support the vision and the ministry here at Creative Church. The real reason for Christmas is the presence of God. We love you. We're praying for you. Merry Christmas. Say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.